Hey, this is Chris. Before we get to the show, let me tell you a little bit about Anchor. Anchor is our way of we record podcasts. Fantastic. Let me tell you why. It's easy. It's free. There are creation tools that we can record and edit your podcast right from your phone and your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on such um, providers as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need in a podcast and so much more. Check out Anchor, and you can find it all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Anchor, it's a fantastic way of creating your first podcast and making it work. Welcome back to the Ohioan. Um, uh, here with Craig. Craig, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you, Chris? Good. Um, big day for politics yesterday. And I know some of our audience is like, ugh, politics. Don't talk about politics. But, hey, it's important. It's important to try to figure out what's going on. It's important to understand what your leaders are thinking about in the future. And a couple of kind of notable decisions yesterday. Uh, first one, and uh, we had a separate interview with Tyler Buchanan yesterday when this news was breaking. I, he said he wasn't surprised, and I agree. I, this didn't come as any huge surprise. But uh, we have a Democratic candidate for governor. I mean, there was a lot that were um, have been rumored, but now we have one that threw her hat in the ring. Uh, Nan Whaley uh, from Dayton is running again for governor. She ran last time. Uh, she got knocked out in the, in the primaries, but now she's running. And to some people, she's a candidate that might be a, a favorite. Um, Craig, so far, uh, Nan Whaley, uh, is, her hat's in the ring. Plus, uh, Mayor John Cranley from Cincinnati hasn't officially declared yet, but he's raising money. And if you look at his Twitter account, he's writing tweets that are kind of state-related, not just you know, Cincinnati-related. So, I don't know. I mean, uh, what do you think? I mean, there we got plenty of time for other candidates to jump in. But I'll tell you, I think Whaley probably would be a stronger candidate than Cranley uh, up against Mike DeWine. Yeah, it seems like she, she probably would. But, you know, I think we're getting into the territory here where are we such a red state now that whoever runs on the GOP side is likely going to win, even if DeWine gets, you know, eliminated uh, in a primary himself, you know, it, it seems like, you know, with, with how dominant Trump was in November, which I don't think anybody really expected him to, to win by eight plus points. You just kind of wonder if it, if it doesn't really matter who runs on the Democrat side because of the way the state is voting, um, you know, as far as Dan Whaley goes, she probably has a little bit more name recognition right now than John Cranley, but I don't know that she's got the name recognition that kind of goes throughout the state as of right now. So she's going to have a, a little bit of a climb, I think, in order to kind of get her name out to the northern part of the state or northeast part of the state to where people are really going to recognize her, know who she is, what she stands for, and make her a viable candidate against any Republican, whether it's Mike DeWine or otherwise. Here's the thing with Nan Whaley. Um, she got a little bit bigger of a name when there was a horrible shooting. Um, I think it was probably two years ago now, maybe, um, in uh, Dayton. 
right. um, where I believe it was six or eight uh, people were killed. Now, I will say this, and go back to um, the podcast that was released Tuesday morning. Um, you know, right now we're in a time where there's so many mass shootings. Uh, the Dayton mass shooting seems to be 500 mass shootings ago, which is awful um, comment about the state of our country and state right now. So, you know, you could look and say, wow, you know, Nan Willie had good leadership during the crisis in Dayton. I think we kind of forget about that, just so everything else happened. You know, if that was like the only mass shooting in the last 10 years, we could say, oh, yeah, I remember that one. Now, I mean, right. I, I have a hard time remembering the one from the past week, let alone what right. years ago. Yeah. Um, but she made a good name for herself. Uh, they had that. Didn't they have like a water issue down there? There, there was a couple other things happening. And uh, they seemed to have pretty solid ground leadership from that. So, I, I mean, I think she's going to be an interesting candidate. I, I think the same thing that you mentioned with Whaley could be a problem with John Cranley. Uh, down in Cincinnati. Uh, nothing gets our friends in Cincinnati, but sometimes Cincinnati kind of feels lost with the rest of the state. Uh, they are definitely a huge part of the state. They're a, a huge city, but since they're so close to Kentucky, sometimes there's frustration right. in their part saying, hey, we think we're forgotten. And to be honest, I think they are at a certain point. And some of the leaders down there, you know, we don't think of it as north. So you raise a good point about Whaley's name recognition, but she's on the um, southwest corner of the state. I'd probably say the same thing about Cranley. And the other thing, too, uh, Cranley has not been charged with any issues or anything, but if you look at Cincinnati City Council, um, over half city council members have been charged <laughs> for different stuff. Right. And Cranley has not been involved. I have no indication that Cranley is even suspected of anything or suspected of being charged. But I kind of wonder if there's sometimes maybe a frustration by association to say, hey, you know, what's going on there, even if he had nothing to do with it. So, Right, uh, yeah, you don't want to make your name for yourself. Because right now, if, if, if you think about Cincinnati politics, that's the only thing that really comes to my mind is, oh, yeah, they had that the texting scandal, and now they've had the, the council members charged. Um, you know, you talk a little bit about Nan Whaley's name recognition being from, you know, what her response was to the shooting that happened there. Um, you do bring up the point of the drinking water issues, and that that is also uh, something that happened in 2019, uh, <clears throat> where the city and the county were just saying, you know, you shouldn't drink the water right now. But that's, the, you know, you don't want to be negatively associated, I don't think. You don't want to have, not that Nan Whaley has anything to do with the shooting, but I, I, I wonder if you, you want to avoid having your name being out there in the midst of, of, of an issue, whether the, the, you know, the drinking water issue is her fault or not, you know, you want to have positive things. You want to have, whether it's, you know, you can take the shooting and maybe, you know, take it into gun control or whatever it may be, you know, you want to have positive reactions to things that, you know, are going on rather than, well, something bad happens. So here's how the mayor's commenting on it. So sometimes, you know, any news is good news, pub good, you know, any publicity is good publicity, but, you know, you don't want to be associated too much with negativity because that's right now what, what Nan Whaley and, and John Cranley are sort of associated with, whether it's their fault or not. It doesn't really matter because people are going to say, well, can you even control your own city, let alone run for governor, is, is kind of what the, the, the I think the layman would probably say. Well, I think the thing that Whaley may have over Cranley is, you know, Cranley reacted. 
I'm I'm not sure. And to Cranley's credit, I'm not sure what he could have done. But you know, he made some comments after the other um, council members were charged. It seemed like Willie tried to lead the city more for some of that stuff. And again, this isn't the truth. This is just the perception I think the state is starting to get. Uh, because Whaley was kind of up front in, in terms of the shooting. She was up front in terms of the water thing. Right. And if it turns out to be, and we're way too early to say this is definitely the matchup, but if it turns out to be a Whaley versus the wine, um, you know, general election race, it's going to be really interesting because, you know, Whaley and the wine, they get along. I mean, I don't think they hate each other. Uh, Whaley's actually been complimentary to Governor DeWine. I, I think Whaley's concerned saying, hey, I don't know if DeWine went far enough. Uh, because you look at it, uh, Whaley was kind of, they were on stage together um, at a rally after uh, what happened in Dayton uh, with right. the shooting. And Whaley was like, hey, look, it's time. You know, we got to do something. And, you know, the governor agreed. And, you know, they passed the Sandy Ground bill that some people say, ah, I don't think it definitely went far enough. You know, and I, I think that was Willie's concern. You raised a good point with how red um, Ohio is. I mean, uh, former President Trump won Ohio by eight points in the election he lost. I'm wondering if I'm a Democrat, how, what type of Democrat could win? And, you know, you say everything about, oh, you know, we didn't have progressive Democrats. We want, you know, Democrats a little bit more on the left. I'm not sure if a Democrat like that would win. Now, I'll be honest. I don't know Nan Willie's politics. If she's more of a moderate Democrat, she's more of a um, kind of more of a far left Democrat. But I'm not sure if a far left Democrat could win Ohio. No, I don't and believe so. I, I mean, I think it's going to take a moderate where some people say, "Well, you know, she's got some good ideas." So uh, it'll, it'll be interesting to see if uh, Whaley or Cranley is like that or can adopt that persona at least for the election. Yeah, I mean, I think a, a, the type of Democrat that could win Ohio is is if it's if it's against Mike DeWine, I think they can run against DeWine and say, well, I'm not Mike DeWine. I'm going to, you know, do this, this and this or whatever, and, and maybe win back some of those Democrats that have gone over with DeWine, who's handled the pandemic pretty well by most, you know, by most thoughts. But then I think where, where some Democrats may struggle is if they're really in favor of strict gun control. I don't know that you're going to win a lot of votes in the state of Ohio that way. So you'd almost need sort of a pro-gun Democrat who, if they run against DeWine, can say, hey, I'm actually anti-mask or I'm actually pro-business and we should open up and we should be doing this, this and this. So that's the kind of Democrat that I think you may you may need in Ohio to beat Mike DeWine. Now, would you need that if you if you had to beat someone else? I don't know, but I think you're... And I don't know if you can find that because I don't think Nan Whaley is going to necessarily be pro-gun. And I don't think John Cranley is going to be either. So I, I don't know if that Democrat exists that could really unseat Mike DeWine or any Republican for that matter. And you think about this and, you know, if we had Governor DeWine here, he'd be like, oh, I'm Republican, I'm Republican. You know, I, I don't think he wants to give up that mantra. But, you know, the fact that he's been more conservative on you know, dealing with COVID would actually more be appealing to moderate Democrats. I'm, I'm wondering right. even if a moderate Democrat, you know, we're right. I think a moderate Democrat has a better chance of winning, but maybe DeWine is playing that role of the moderate Democrats. So, you know, 
I, I think like, he's. Yeah. I mean, I think he's won some votes from the Democrats, but I also think he's lost some votes from the Republicans yeah. with how he's handled the the pandemic. So it's either going to be a wash or it's going to really be one sided one way or another. And I don't know that he's maybe picked up enough Democrats to kind of, you know, quell some of the issues that he's had with the Republicans. So that might be a concern for him. And, and there's um, on the Democratic side, you always look at a guy like Tim Ryan. So, well, what's he going to do? He's a U.S. rep. Well, reports are that he's kind of behind the scenes exploring the Senate thing. Um, he hasn't said that publicly, but that's kind of what we're hearing. He's trying to raise some money on that. And then, you know, hey, Amy Atkins not running. I mean, right now, there's no other Democrat who's committed, and maybe he has easier uh, chance to Democrat nomination for Senate. Uh, let me mention this quick, and then we'll, we'll have to go to break. Um, the other news, probably bigger in Central Ohio. I'll be honest, I live in Central Ohio. I don't really know too much about him, but um, Steve Sagers, uh, he's the U.S. rep down here. Um, he was a possibility for a Republican senator. Um, he's not going to be a Republican senator. He's not even going to be in a U.S. rep anymore. Right. Um, he took a, a job in state That'll be interesting. Um, I I kind of wonder, and I I don't know too much about Stivers as a Republican. I'm not sure what his relationship with, is with President Trump and, and everything. But it's always interesting that you know going from the legislative to a a, a private job. And I I'll be honest, I don't know enough about Stivers to wildly speculate. But interesting to see what happens. Yeah, and you know we'll have to track that race as that comes closely. Absolutely. Or closer. Sorry. Closely versus closer. Mm -hmm. uh, all right. Well, but thanks for checking out the Highland. Now, let's know what you think. Um, again, you might sit there going, another politics talk. But it, it's important. It's important to understand what's happening. It's important to know. And, you know, if you're frustrated by the candidates, probably now's the time to speak up or encourage the politician you think you can do it to run because here's the time where they're considering and you don't want to end up with two choices you don't like. So do your part. Uh, encourage people. It'll be good. So thank you for checking out the Highland. We'll be back soon with another segment. All right, back here on the Highland. I'm, I'm encouraged, uh, Craig. We had a, um episode that um, released on Tuesday just talking about the mass shootings. Um, it, it's, man, last weekend was just a bad, bad weekend. Lots of bad things happening in terms of mass shootings, and, you know, I kind of vented about, we got to do something. I mean, if it's gun control, more money help mental health, you know, more penalties to shooters or families to shooters. I, I don't know the answer, but we got to know the right one. Uh, Craig, I'm encouraged. Um, one small step, um, but I like how people are doing something, at least to show support. Uh, we talked yesterday um, in Canton. Bad shooting. Uh, it was last Friday morning. Uh, it was um, a uh, apparently a, a spouse that there was a separation. Uh, he came into the Bob Evans. He shot the woman that he was separated from, uh, killed her. And she was a waitress at the Bob Evans, scared people half to death. Uh, he didn't threaten the other uh, people in the restaurant, but there's 20 other people in the restaurant. I mean, just imagine you're sitting there for breakfast and somebody walks and shoots them and walks out. I mean, it had to be horrible. Um, well, sadly, she died. Good, they caught the guy. 
Uh, he was uh, scheduled for a court date yesterday in Canton. Uh, there was a some type of a, a holdup where I think um, they postponed it for a day. But I liked it. Uh, there was a group of the waitress's friends and coworkers that kind of stood in solidarity. It was. It didn't seem to be any anger. It didn't seem to be. I mean, I'm sure there was anger involved, but it was more of they were staying in solidarity as their slain friend. And I don't know, Craig. I mean, it's sadly it's one of. I think we're up to 148 you know, mass shootings in America already, but I like the fact that it was a small step to say, "Hey, here's something we can do." Uh, it's not going to overturn the tide of mass shootings, but I, I like that simple step just to show support and everything else. Because honestly, Craig, and we work in the news business, so we're reading these stories every day. I, I was frustrated. I was off Monday. I had to get away from it. But I read that story and I said, you know, I'm encouraged. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, I mean it's, it, it definitely, it definitely keeps, keeps their name in the public spotlight when you have people coming together like this and, and showing support. Um, because, you know, it, it not, not only is it a, you know, shooting situation, but it's a domestic violence situation, which obviously we know that some of those are the most dangerous police calls or calls that you can have. So it's, it's great that people are, are trying to get her name out there and, and make sure that people remember what happened and remember her and hopefully bring justice, you know, to this case, because it's, it's certainly, you know, there's power in numbers. And I think certainly these, you know, these women getting together, showing unity, showing support is only going to keep, uh, you know, keep Rebecca Rogers name, you know, in the spotlight. And hopefully, you know, even though it won't bring her back, it will help, you know, alleviate some of the issues for her family, because obviously this is a pretty tragic situation that, um, I just can't imagine someone witnessing something like this happen at a restaurant, just a normal day, and to have something like this happen. It's got to be pretty uh, pretty emotionally draining and for everybody involved. So um, the hope is is that everybody continues coming together and unifying and, and that maybe, uh, you know, Rebecca Rogers' name won't be forgotten and not just as a shooting victim, but as a domestic violence victim as well. And here's a challenge I have for myself, and just you know, for anybody listening, I I don't know exactly what happened in this case. So let's take the Rogers situation out of it, because I, I don't want to make any judgment, but because I don't know, um, I'm sure you've heard you know people say, "Hey, tell share with people as they're around what they mean for you." Because you know, a lot of times someone passes, like, "Wow, what a great person!" I wish I could tell them how wonderful they were, mm-hmm. and you can't because they're gone. Also, I would say we can't be vigilantes, but if you know of something that's going wrong, talk to somebody about it. Um, I, I, you know, I, I, I share with friends and everything. Yeah, we sometimes have silly conversations. Like you talk to a friend, hey, who won the game last night? Or, yeah, yeah, kind of tease each other. That's fine. That's what friends do. But also, never don't be afraid to say, "Hey, how are things going? Yeah. Everything going okay?" Uh, ask some leading questions again, not necessarily to get somebody in trouble, but make sure somebody's okay. Um, it's a tough time right now. I mean, we're in the middle of a pandemic. We're in the middle of just 
at work. We're all doing more than we should. You know, probably not getting as paid as much as we should. Um, you know, there's expectations at home and everything else. True. It can get stressful. And I'll be honest, I've gotten stressed in the past couple of weeks just with life in general. So I, I think it's good that as friends to each other and to the friends we know and even work associates, and, and you don't have to like interrogate them or quiz them. But just as people to people, hey, how's it going? How are how are you? How are things? And they say, oh, I'm fine. Really, is everything okay? Or or yeah. if somebody gets frustrated or angry, I mean, nine times out of ten, it's not about whatever they're getting frustrated or angry about. It's hey, they're having a hard day. Maybe you had an argument at home. Maybe they're worried about the job or anything. And that's kind of why they get a little bit more frustrated. So, yeah, I mean, let's encourage each other and. Again, I no idea in the Rogers case what happened beforehand or if there's any signs or anything else, but at least from how they, this um, group of waitresses and friends reacted, I love the way they reacted afterwards, and hopefully that was the way they reacted during Rogers' life too. So I, right. I, I'm again, it's not going to take things away. It's obviously it's not going to bring Rogers back, but hey, good for them. I, I'm encouraged to to see that. So. Um, yeah, uh, so yeah, and again, I, I think when we read that, we can be encouraged ourselves, but all, but hey, let's support and encourage each other. Um, absolutely, it goes for what's for, so all right. Well, hey, thank, thanks again for checking out the Highland. Um, again, we have segments every day. Check out our sponsors, uh, sh- share with your friends. Um, we've been encouraged by our growth and. Obviously, we want to keep growing, and uh, we th- we're thankful for people like you that listen every day and checking out the show. So we'll be back shortly for another segment. Thanks for checking us out. All right. Welcome back to the Ohio Wind. And, hey, we got a special guest with us, Stephen Shalowitz, um, uh, who is a podcaster, and uh, he also is a photographer. A lot of interesting stories. Um, it is the – and I want to make sure I'm having this right, Stephen. It's the one-way ticket show, correct? Yes, that's right. And first of all, thanks to you, Chris and Craig, for having me on The Ohioan. And I have to say, even though I'm a fellow Midwesterner, I'm originally from Chicago. I live in New York. Um, I've only been to Ohio once in my life, and that was when I was a kid and we were driving through. And we spent the night, I can't even remember where, I'm sorry <laughs> to say. But oh, there are okay. so many places in Ohio that I want to visit, especially I want to visit Cleveland to see okay. the art museum, to see the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And yeah. also you have a fantastic symphony in Cleveland. So yes. um, I'm all about Ohio. So once we can all start traveling again, I look forward to visiting Ohio. But thanks so much for having me on and for allowing me to um, share a little bit about um, everything. And I'm glad you asked about my podcast. I'd like to yeah. give a shout out. It's called The One Way Ticket Show. And uh, I explore with my acclaimed guests, we can talk about some of them if you like, um, where they would go if given a one-way ticket, no coming back. But their destinations may be in the past, present, future, real imaginary, or state of mind. And we also talk about their life and their work. And I've been doing it for just over nine years right now. And it's been an absolute labor of love. I've had many people on the show that I'm sure many of your wonderful listeners have heard of. Everyone from Dick Cavett to Charles Osgood, Mo Rocca, um, John Dickerson from CBS, Mo Rocca from CBS, um, uh, Alan Dershowitz, the famed law professor, as well as Anthony Scaramucci, who everybody knows. 
Mm-hmm. He, was of, he was one of my all-time favorites. I, I have all my guests are favorites actually, but I've had some wonderful, wonderful people. And uh, if your listeners want to check it out, they can go to theonewayticketshow.com. Once again, theonewayticketshow.com, or they can search for the One Way Ticket Show wherever they download their podcasts. Yeah, very interesting. I love the concept of it, and Thank you've you. had a lot of interesting guests on there. Um, what any answer really surprised you? I mean. You mentioned about four or five people want to listen to the show and see how they responded. What sure. was there? I guess a answer that kind of made you scratch your head a little bit. Um, every answer is really unique, Chris, and mm-hmm. every answer has a backstory. And so, when a, a I'll give you some answers in a sec, but oh, when, yeah. when a guest gives an answer um, in response to where they'd like to go, we then explore why, what they would do there, what they would take with them who they might take with them, who they might like to meet there, what they would hope to get out of the experience. Um, if their one-way ticket destination at all impacts them now, if they've thought about it before I ask them. So we do really a deep dive. We have a really robust conversation. Some of the guests, it's really interesting because um, uh, I've had every kind of uh, uh, answer you can ever imagine. Um, some guests want to go to Paris. Some guests want to go to Paris of the 1920s. Some mm. want to go back to the Belle Epoque era of Paris, right? So okay. I've had some answers, but with different time frames. Mm. But then I had one guest on the program whom I dearly love and who's become a very good friend. She's a very well-known chef, and she specializes in the foods of the Mediterranean and the Middle East. And she wanted her one-way ticket to be a confectioner in the kitchens of Sultan Suleiman the Magnificent at the height of mm. the Ottoman Empire. And so that conversation just absolutely blew up into so many different parts about what kind of foods they ate there. And, you know, what was it like to be a woman then? And Mm -hmm. what was it like to be in the Sultan's palace then? And and all the rest. And we just went just all over the place on that. Dick Cavett, though, the famed talk show, who you may know, he was on twice. And he was just absolutely lovely and very charming. And he wanted his one-way ticket to have a meal for eternity with Oscar Wilde in Oscar Wilde's favorite London pub or the Savoy Hotel dining room. And I oh, thought wow. that was actually very charming. I had just mentioned, for example, John Dickerson, the former host of Face the Nation, and he's a 60-minute mm-hmm. correspondent. I think you know who he is. Um, and he is a real, real scholar. He's just such a bright, insightful guy. He's written uh, several books, and his latest book is called um, The Hardest Job. And it's about the U.S. presidency. And I thought he would want his one-way ticket to something very Americana, okay? Mm-hmm. But instead, he selected his one-way ticket to J.R.R. Tolkien's The Shire, mm-hmm. okay, from, from the world of J.R.R. Tolkien and The Hobbit. And I thought that was so curious, and it really threw me for a loop when I first heard it, and we were recording, and I thought, holy smokes, what am I going to do with this? Because, But we had such a, a, a lovely conversation around that. So really, every guest is, um, is, has a unique uh, and interesting one-way ticket answer. And interestingly, though, um, now that Earth Day is, we're recording this now in the time-space continuum of podcasts, because right. podcasts are evergreen, so people will listen to this 300 sure. years from now, hopefully. But we're, mm-hmm. we're recording this now a couple of days before Earth Day. And so several of my recent guests have had very Earth Day focused one-way ticket destinations talking about things like sustainability. And I purposely had them on, not that I would, that I would know what their one-way ticket destinations were, but they came from that world. 
And so I wanted to have them have that kind of a focus given um, Earth Day that's coming up. I would agree that, man, if you ask, if I was a question, you asked me that question, I'm sure it would be someplace exotic or someplace I would dream for. Was there a destination that you said, wow, that doesn't seem to be as exotic? Like Paris would be a choice. I'm sure most of your guests would do, but was there kind of like a, oh, a small town or somebody like, what? Yeah, never actually, heard of there were, actually there were, but before, before that, I should say also, you know, some, because it can be a state of mind. I've had, yeah. I or or um, or something metaphysical, if you will. I had one guest who was who's a singer. He wanted a one-way ticket to an audience, and then I had oh, a, yeah. his his twin brother, whom he sings with and sometimes collaborates with, wanted a one-way ticket to gratitude. Okay, oh, but interestingly, okay. when you talk about the small towns, I have had people that have wanted their one-way tickets to small towns. Um, uh, I had, um, for example, um, you know, several people because they got married in a small town or they came from a small town. Um, I had the, um, you know, so, so yeah, so some people, because they want to go back to their roots, if you will. So sometimes yeah. they do want to have a small town. Uh, but again, there's no coming back in these one-way ticket journeys. I mean, some people want a one-way ticket. I, I had one guest who's he, sadly he passed away. He was a lovely man. He was a very well-known sculptor, and he wanted his one-way ticket to be the head stonemason at Machu Picchu in Peru Ooh. when Machu Picchu was being built. Okay, wow. and yeah, then I, I, have, I have other guests that oh, I had one guest who was the known guy for um, happiness. He he led the most popular. He taught the most popular class at Harvard on happiness. He runs, Tal Ben-Shahar is his name. He runs the Happiness Institute. And he wanted his one-way ticket to be at Aristotle's Lyceum in ancient Greece. So some okay. go way, way back, you know, before the days of Novocaine and air conditioning. And, yeah. you know, they're going way back. But nevertheless, they really want to go there to experience that and to stay there because they got to stay there. And I make that very clear. There's no coming back. Oh, Okay. So if you go back in time, you're back in time. There's you, no Novocaine. You're going back in time. Oh, yeah. wow. <laughs> and that's part of the fun of it, though, because then we start asking about things like, um, what would you take with you from today that you would want to show people back then, right? Like an iPhone, for example, because because yeah. uh, Tal, the, the guest that I was just talking about, um, he said he would like to take his iPhone. And he said, I... I he, he did say that he thought that Aristotle did think that something like that could be possible. So it's about time travel in some cases, or it's about, you know, the here and now, but in a different sort of configuration. Like Anthony Scaramucci wanted his one-way ticket to New York 50 years from now. Oh, okay. You know, or I think it was 40 years from now. It was a time period in the future. I had Brooklyn Borough President uh, Eric Adams won his one-way ticket to ancient Sumer. He's running for mayor of New York, mm -hmm. but then the Bronx borough president wanted his one-way ticket to 50 years from now in the Bronx. So it can oh, also be okay. that kind of a situation that we talk about what they're doing then to get to that place. Yeah. Now it'd be interesting. Obviously it's, um, you know, just a, a discussion that could go anywhere, Absolutely. but I'm thinking if I bring an iPhone back to Aristotle, are we assuming that the Wi-Fi works back then? Because <laughs> my it doesn't work, ticket show, I can make anything happen for you. Okay. So, the so at least we'll have, like, Wi-Fi in Aristotle's house. Because That's part right. of having the iPhone is I want to show Aristotle, say, hey, look at the internet I got here. Look at, yeah. you know. 
Well, it has to be for a while. So let's put it this way. I, I explained to my guests, if they want to take someone with them, if they want to take anything, okay. that can be fully functioning once they're there, right? Because ah, no okay. use to just bringing back the device if it doesn't function. You can't see all the apps and gizmos and bells and whistles. So it's a good show, too. I'm, I'm a big history buff. and obviously, Me too. Oh, what, that, if you love history, then tune in because I've had so many people going back in time in history. And then we talk about those historical events, whether oh, it's yeah. Alexander the Great or, you know, 1492 Spain or Columbus's mm -hmm. expedition, which was a separate guest or, um, you know, Italy during the Renaissance period and so on and so forth. Yeah. I don't yeah, think any one of my guests has wanted to go to Ohio, though, yet. Yeah, <laughs> that was, think of it. we're the Ohioan, and we talk pop culture, so we're interested in other stuff, but I was going to ask you that. I mean, yeah, no one's the, first one's I've, done, I've, done two, I've done 228 episodes over nine-plus years, and nobody has yet said that they want to go to Ohio. But I will say, though, if any of your listeners personally know John Kasich, Please send okay. it my way because I've tried six ways from Sunday to reach out to him because I've been wanting to have him on my show forever, even when he was governor, um, before he was running for president and the whole thing. And I couldn't get to him. And I want John Kasich on my show and any other well-known Ohioans. I would love to bring him on. So calling all well-known Ohioans, please, yes. I want to have you on my show to talk about Ohio and also where you'd want to go on your own ticket. Because I also talk about you know, their lives, their work, and other things. It's not just the one-way ticket part. So we give Ohio a huge shout-out. Yeah, and we only let well-known Ohioans listen in. If you're not oh, well-known Ohio, you know, <laughs> I like that. don't download. Listen, I, you have know. A very I have a very global audience, you know. Good. Oh, yeah. I mean, I have listeners all over the place, so. Well, one of these days, I'm going to shock um, Craig, and we have another coach, Brandon, who isn't able to be here today. Um, we have a global audience too, and you never think about that if you think of the Ohioan. But we have people listening from different countries and everything. It's very, it's very strange, but it's always fun. I love now, it. Tell me, and we're going to talk a little bit about China, but before we get there, um, when can we hear? Is a weekly podcast? Oh, when do they usually come on? Sure, that's very kind of you. Thanks for asking, Chris. Um, I, I release every other Tuesday. Oh, okay, great. Yeah, great. every other Tuesday. Um, Without fail, rain or shine. I'm just like the postman. I always deliver. Uh, every birthday, though, I'm delivering a special episode. So that's a bonus. Every once in a while, I have a bonus episode. But every other Tuesday, again, theonewayticketshow.com. Or uh, folks can search for it at The One Way Ticket Show wherever they download their podcasts. And I'm on all social media, Stephen Shalowitz, at Stephen Shalowitz. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll put some links with um, the podcast. Uh, oh, that's should be good. Thank you. Well, let's talk a little bit. Um, I I love travel, and I love when people travel to different places that one may not normally travel to. And you've got a million stories with that. Um, and hey, it'll be good for you to come back on. But let's talk a little bit about China because that was one of the areas that you've had a lot of experience in. Uh, China's been in the news now politically. You know, uh, if you're a Republican or Democrat, you have different ideas about China. And tell me a, bit, a little bit about your experience there. Sure. Well, you said I've been all over the place, and it's true. I've been to probably 70-odd countries, everywhere from North Korea to Algeria to Syria, Iran, Saudi Arabia. But I've only been to Ohio once, uh, and it was as a kid, as I said, so I'm long overdue. But as for China, um, I was actually interested in China since I was a kid. Um, 
And um, China was just opening up then, and I'm talking about the early 1970s. And so that was the time Nixon went and journalists were going. And, um, and so these reports were coming back from China, and I was seeing this, and I just thought it was so fascinating. And it so intrigued me as a child that it was a country that I started studying then. And I knew that when I got to college, I wanted to study China and Chinese. So I majored in Chinese language and literature. I went to Washington U in St. Louis for my undergrad. And um, my first time in China was actually back in 1983. Okay, so we're talking about 38 years ago. And China had just come out of the Cultural Revolution in 1976. So it was just a couple years after that. And I then went back to China. So I was a student in China then at Nanjing University. Then after I graduated from college, um, I went back to China in 86, 87, back and forth between Chicago and China. I was working for a woman that was producing TV programs for China and Western management. And then after I went to graduate school, I went to Johns Hopkins to study international relations, but focused on China. I moved to Singapore. And then from there, I moved to China, where I lived for seven years, moved back to Singapore, and then to the U.S. So I was living in China, then for, in Hong Kong for a few months, in Beijing, Guangzhou, and Shanghai. So I have a very long expanse of seeing China at different stages of development, everything from 1983 to my last visit in 2012, right before I went to North Korea for a visit, I had to go through China. And China has changed exponentially. And people that go now to China can't comprehend what it was like back in the day when I first went. And believe me, there were people that went and got to China before I even got to China. So I'm not saying I was such a pioneer, but 38 years ago in China was very different than it was in the 90s and certainly today. You know, when I got there, and I'll just give you a few anecdotes. We it, Back then, you could not fly nonstop from the United States to China. Now you can fly on every which airline, right, nonstop. Yeah. Back then, I had to go from Chicago to L.A., L.A. to Tokyo. You had to overnight in Tokyo, and then you flew into China. Okay, so it was like a whole trains, planes, automobiles, three day process. And then I remember flying into Shanghai and there was nothing but it was the airport at the time. And I'm sure many of your listeners are well traveled. I'm sure many of them have been to Shanghai today. Shanghai now has two airports. There's the old um, uh, Hongqiao Airport, which is the one that I landed at. And then there's the one in Pudong, which is the big Humongo Airport. When I landed at that airport, it was just rural around it, just fields and everything else. And you got off the plane. There was no uh, connector little thing that you go into a terminal. You walked down, you walked down the tarmac, and you walked into a building. <clears throat> and the airport, in effect, was just like the arrival hall was a big cavernous room. And the luggage was just sort of... It wasn't put on any one of those conveyor belts or anything. It was just sort of stacked off to the side. You selected your luggage. And then they made you open up. They went through all the x-ray machines. And then they made you open up your luggage. And there were attendants there searching your luggage, looking through any magazines you brought. Because at the time, we were told, bring magazines so people can learn about the United States, learn about Western fashion, you know, lifestyle, whatever. And they would like it as gifts because they used to like to cut out the the ads or the photos and then hang them up on the wall. Okay. So in any event, I thought this whole thing was such a spectacle and I was told don't take photos in airports in China because they're military installations as well. 
Well, of course, that I had like a temporary lapse of memory, and I took a photo, and I remember everybody just jumped. I, I remember like it was yesterday, and they took my camera and they opened it up, and then they it was a days of film camera. They opened it up and they shut it, so that that photo would not be um, obviously developed. But but that but that's what the airport was like. It was just this big cavernous arrival hall. Whereas now you look at Google. China's airports, and they're the most fabulous structures you would ever see. We drove into we drove into uh, Shanghai at the time, and I'll just tell you one or two more anecdotes here because yeah, sure. just in the interest of time, I remember yeah. driving into Shanghai. I remember going to the Peace Hotel, which was the old venerable hotel, having some lunch there. We ultimately, I'm fast forwarding the story. We ultimately took the four hour train to Nanjing, which is where we were studying. And it was the summer, and it was hot. And Nanjing is known as one of China's China's four furnace cities because it is so hot. the 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 heat is just oppressive. And I remember going from the train station to the university, Nanjing University, and people just lining the streets, waiting to go to sleep. They were sleeping outside because it was simply too hot to sleep in their apartments. And nobody had air conditioning. Okay, yeah. people probably had fans, but you would see men in pajamas or pajama bottoms, sometimes no shirts. You would see women in sort of just nightgowns. You would see them lay their cots out on the sides of the street, and that's how they went to sleep in the summer. So time has come a long way, and I've got I, countless other stories, you know, to share of. Of China, what it was like then, or you know, in the ensuing years. So it's a, it was a vastly, vastly different place then, and it was absolutely fascinating. This was long before Starbucks and McDonald's and KFC, and you know, everybody was, you know, people were traveling by bicycle. It was the most fascinating thing. And I guess I'll just leave you with this story. We can pick it up another time. The yeah. Chinese local Chinese were not allowed into hotels, into Western hotels. Oh wow. And so that was a whole other thing, and I'd be glad to talk about. That yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Another yeah. time, anyway. Well, well, very good. I mean, I could listen all day. I love hearing about different cultures and how it's different in America and uh, different things to expect. So, thank you so much. I, I appreciate that. Well, and again, a little stroll down China memory lane there for me. Oh yeah. Oh, believe me, I I took a trip recently to South America, saw Ecuador and Peru. And my wife's like, are you telling me stories again? Because she's my personal podcaster. I tell her stories all the time about my experiences down there and everything. So I definitely get it. It's fascinating. Love to have you back to talk more about sure. well, uh, that. Oh, uh, again, uh, Stephen Chalowitz, um, again, the one-way ticket show. And you can check it out on the website. You can also check out anywhere where you download podcasts, much like the Ohioan. And, again, very interesting guests from – Dick Cavett to Anthony Scaramucci, uh, Tim Gunn, Mo Rocca, Charles Osgood. Lots of interesting guests. Can and I tell you where Tim wanted his one-way ticket to? Oh, yes, please. Tim wanted his one-way ticket to his apartment. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine him saying something like that. That doesn't surprise he me. He was great. That interview lasted well over an hour because he was just so engaging anyway. Yeah, we we gotta check out that show. Very very interesting Thank stuff. Well, well, Stephen, thanks so much. Don't be a stranger. We'd love to have you back on again. Oh, I'd love to come on. And, and thanks for checking the Highway. You know, like we say, and our, our listeners know, 
we definitely focus on Ohio events, but we have a lot of guests uh, from pop culture um, and movies and everything else. Because, again, in Ohio, we care about Ohio, but we also care about other stuff happening around us, too. So, Stephen, you've been a great example of that. Thanks for coming on. Hang out for a second afterwards. And to everyone else, thanks for checking out the Highland. We'll be back shortly with another episode. Have a good one. Hi, I'm Jennifer Mooney. Welcome to what is our new Hope Interrupted podcast based on the work from our book, Hope Interrupted, that I co-authored with my good friend, Byron McCauley. Hey, Jennifer. You know, I'm looking forward to this podcast as much as I was look, looking forward to writing this book with you. We hope to interview some uh, high-impact folks as well as have a little fun. We're going to cover stories of hope. To learn more about our podcast and our book, please visit www.hopeinterrupted.com.